Hello, kids. It's the Hardy White Show. Come on, let's have some fun. I'm Hardy White. Wee! Ha ha! I see you, Carl. Put that back. I'm not, that's a theme for my children's show. I haven't really done one. I have not been blessed to realize my dream of having a kid's show. Not a good one. The type I was raised with. And I don't even know what maybe they were cynically produced. Say, hey, there's a whole market out there. And they used to think that way. Say, children don't buy things necessarily. Some of them have credit cards. I recognize that. But often... The children don't make the buying decisions in the house. So when I was young, they'd say, well, the parents do. And the children, their job is to Hector. So the parents love the child, and the child has a need. And who creates that need? We, the Gidjigadoodah company. And we're going to have access to the children. Hi, kids. Here's a funny cartoon. Now, if only you had... A little doll that looked like a mercenary. Say, Mom, Mama, Papa, I gotta have one. And that was the thing. So those, uh, a lot of it was designed to sell things to children. Now, when a TV started, they had to use cartoons that already had existed uh, before that in cinema. And so they used a lot of that. And then they ran out or something. Or they thought, well, we can make some fresh ones cheaply where there's not a lot of movement, and then, who knows, put a toy in there or something like that. So then they started making them just for television. How about that? And now, I think in the future, they'll make cartoons just for the brain. They'll be on no, uh, they won't be on any kind of um, thing, physical thing. They'll just be pumped into your brain. Now, that wouldn't be so bad, you say, the, the deviceless cartoon. But here's the thing. The other day I was scrolling through something on the internet and it said free cartoons. No, it was on my television. They have a lot of things that say, oh, come watch some stuff we got for free, like Carol Burnett or, I don't know, Hello Larry. And then, um, but they'll say free cartoons. And I think, oh, I have seen the quality of free cartoons. It saddens me. The children will watch that cartoon and they're going, no, am I having, am I glitching out little mini strokes? Or are there just maybe one frame every 15 seconds? And those are the ones that disturb me. Now, the old cartoons made for the cinema had 5,000 frames every half second. They're so nuanced. Like you couldn't even see how to, back in the day, They would do, there was a whole room of people who would make animation cells that were just the insides of the characters. You'd never even see that. And then the external cell character, they'd make the, they'd flesh them out, but people would come to me and say, I made Elmer Fudd's liver. And I said, I can't see it. And he goes, it's there. That's how, that's why it feels so real. That's why it feels real, because he feels like he's filtering blood fluids and stuff, but he's just two-dimensional. We know from Flatland that dimensions, hey, if you're in them, you don't feel like they're deficient. So we're living in the three dimensions. It doesn't feel wrong. 
It doesn't feel like we're missing anything. And uh, two-dimensional characters. I'm sure they don't feel like they're missing anything. In fact, I feel like perhaps I interact with them daily. I don't know. Other people don't seem to have... They do have rich lives. That's the thing. You walk around and you go, oh, who are these zombies? Well, that's what they're thinking about you, probably. We don't really wear our rich lives on our sleeves unless you collect patches and buttons and things, and that's fun. Sometimes the inside just bubbles out like that. So I can't control it, and there's just going to be things on me. And it'll look like a costume, but really it's just a person trying to escape through the zombie exterior that's required. Why is it required? No one knows. We explain things with demons and spirits and memes and things like that. How are there things that exist in life that don't exist in any one person? I don't know. That uh, Someone will try to explain it to you with pamphlets. And they'll name everything. I like that about the unknown. The unknown so wide open you can be hella specific. And I've thought that with people. Friend used to explain different types of aliens to me, and I'd think that's that's remarkable. And I'd say, do you know that there? Do you know how many species of insect there are? And he wasn't interested, because you know, sometimes the things that you can. I'd say I'm not challenging you, friend, or anything like that, and I'm not asking for evidence. But maybe I am. I don't know. Bless you. Oh, I don't mind being explained things. Um, whether they're true or not. Storytelling is like that. I feel like you're explaining something. Exposition in a movie. I always feel like I'm in a class. Uh, I'm in Nonsense 101. It's like, oh, I'm going to have to remember this to be entertained. And yet, gosh, does it apply to my life? Who knows? And I think about that with people say, oh, if you, if you were born in Middle Earth, I could do your genealogy. That's how much they know about a fictional land or something. I said, that's remarkable. And people like that with, you know, I don't mean to correct you, but that is not a star, a Starfleet, Starship Class 1, whatever. Bless them. I'm not saying the real world's any better. Gosh, I don't want to, you know, uh, disparage anybody's expertise. I find I'm, a, I'm almost an expert on my own fiction that I've created. I might not be. I go around, people ask me to tell my story sometimes, and it's absolutely fabricated. I'm sure of it. Um, but fabricated doesn't mean wrong. It's just like a, one of those story quilts. It doesn't tell everything. It's just a blanket. How could it tell the real story of your life? I try to put a corresponding fluid on every square of that uh, thing. Oh, I don't mean it like that. But, I mean, let's say you had, I'm going to smear some of the cherry pie that we had on that Twin Peaks night on that, on that quilt square. And if you wanted to go back and really be in the future, it's almost like a time capsule. So I could get, there's blood on there and food. If you're good enough, you could take that molecule and make a new one in the future. If something disappeared, say, oh, there isn't cherry pie in the future. But there's a smear of it on this blanket and if we could put that in some sort of thing and then you open up the good and then the machine has made the cherry pie from that one molecule cherry pie i know from democritus that everything can be reduced to an irreducible part uh, called an atom 
And an atom, anything can have an atom. For example, I could, um, a hat. I just keep reducing it, and then I finally have the hat atom. I don't know if that's, it may be atom, and I don't know everything about physics or whatever. That's not why you're listening. You're listening because there's something wrong. You can't make it to the dial. And I realized that. The other day, so I, I called someone on my phone. I was driving. And I was parked when I called them. And then I started to move, and, it's, and uh, it get, went to the voicemail. And I didn't want to leave a message, but I was driving, and I couldn't navigate uh, the, the screen. And then it went black, so I'd have to, you know, put my thumb down again. So I set the phone over to the side, and it said, you know, press 1 if you're happy with the message. You know, press 2 if you'd like to record it over again. I'd drive along and say, press 1 if you're happy with the message. Press 2 if you'd like to record it over again. And I thought, it's surely at some point, this, the robot will figure out, I'm not coming back. Something happened. So this happened about four times. After about the fourth time, the robot said, uh, sorry you're having a problem. Like that, like real sarcastic. So I'm not having a problem. I just don't want to use the phone while I'm driving. And I would think after I didn't respond and there was just silence after, you would have figured it out almost immediately. If you're a human, I'm not trying to put you down, but if you were a human, my silence and all the road noise would let you know that I was no longer engaged with the phone. But the robot got all mad at me, got all passive aggressive. Now, I don't know what the robot's out there doing, looking for my passwords now or something. I worry about making enemies with, with machines that, I, that don't even really know me. I feel that way with people, though, too. Whenever people are, whenever a stranger is really ugly with you, I always think, it's not me, is it? Because you don't really know me. I'm not saying you wouldn't hate me if you knew me, but, you know, I, I have, it's somebody else, isn't it? Something else is getting to you, and you thought, well, I can't kick my mother, so I'll, I'll kick this hardy fella. I don't even have to know his name. I'll just imagine he's my, he's my mother. It's a bit like Psycho, the movie. And then everybody around you is a bit like Psycho. I think in that, they're, you know, they might be mad at their mom or something. Not just not their mom. Their boss could be their boss. Could be civilization. You don't know. We're all carrying around, gosh, so much weight. And we all carry in different places. You know, and I don't mean, oh, your gut or your butt or your some carry their weight in their feet or their hands. I carry, you know, but I mean like uh, your emotional weight. We're all, some people call it baggage. I call it luggage, emotional luggage, which is maybe probably a regional thing. I always say, I don't say, you got bags under your eyes. In Appalachia, they go, you have, you have pokes. You have a poke. Poke means sack. Or you have sacks under your eyes. It's like the difference between soda, soda, pop, cola, cola pop, soda pop, cola, physis, seltzer, for seltzer, um, something like that. People got all sorts of names for things. They like to mix it up, too. I don't, and, and, and I think that regional things won't matter as much now as we're all, all over the place. And, and I think people are starting to resent that to go, hey, you're using my expressions. Go, well, it's all on the, I thought we were in some kind of neutral uh, inner space or something. <laughs> Go, no, no, no. 
you know, still you got to be from um, uh, something, hog hair, frog hair Georgia, to be able to use that expression. All right, well, bless you. No one lives there anymore, by the way. Frog hair is gone. It's, oh, it's so empty. And, and that's because all the children moved away from frog hair. No, I'm not, gosh, don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to uh, bake, uh, bake Wobegon or whatever you, uh, but whatever that fellow was, tell stories about, my, he was, uh, I'm, I don't want to say his name, but there was that companion home show, and it was the first mainstream ASMR uh, radio show because that boy that host he would get right up on that with the wettest mouth and he was way too close uh, those of us in broadcasting we like to pull back a little bit off the mic for a couple reasons one the last guy didn't uh, two the sound quality is better you don't want to overdrive the mic or anything like that but you want to get real close up on it if you want the audience to hear the individual sudden subtle popping sound of each saliva bubble and and i'm not that's not the type of radio i do i like to pull back a little bit like this i don't want you uh really hear my fluid circulating but some i suppose you say oh the radio is such an intimate thing i'm going to get way up on it and um that's not me. Sometimes I've inadvertently done that. If I've taken a drink of water or it's allergy season or something, I've hacked my guts out. I'm sort of anti-cough button because I feel like it's a lie. I feel like you should hear. I mean, you, you don't want to. I won't drive the needle. I won't, you know, I won't overdrive the mic. I'll pull away. But a good lung clearing cough. I don't want to. Who? I don't want to pretend that we don't do that. And in conversation. Sometimes, oh gosh, the worst thing is when I, sometimes I spit on, I've spit on people without them. I like the mask helped because I've spit on people and you don't know whether to call attention to it. I want to apologize immediately, but then I think, well, if they didn't notice it and I just interrupt the conversation and say, sorry, I spit on you. I know this sounds like, yo, that was a Seinfeld. I'm sure it is, but I'm just saying it happened recently to me. So it's on my mind and I'm sure that someone took a common human problem and commodified it. I don't have to be convinced of that. Absolutely sure that everything I feel is someone's bit. Oh, that's a bit. Yeah, oh, I just came out of surgery. You go, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so's bit. It's not a bit, you know, it's been in the hospital. Um, I mean, you can't even make any kind of humorous, uh, humorous observations about flying on an airplane, really. Well, now there's nothing funny about it. I don't find it funny. I find it very distressing, and I think most people do. And it all has a gloomy, you know, I don't expect, I, I don't know if about you, but I never get on a plane expecting anything. You know, maybe I never did, but I don't, and I don't blame anybody. Like, I don't expect you to get me where we're going. It seems impossible. And I won't be disappointed. I understand what we're, you know, what the whole thing is. I thought deluding ourselves all the time just to get through life. Um, I wonder how many books there are. I took a drink of coffee. I'm not going to lie. That's about the third time ever in 30 years. 
How many books are there out there? I don't want to do a search, and don't you either, that are a pun on the book Denial of Death. So I'm just going to guess. I haven't looked this up, but I bet there's one called Denial of Debt, right? So um, Denial of Dents is a, is a stretch for like a car thing. Death, Beth. Denial of Beth. There'll be a Netflix. I, I guarantee it. There'll be a Netflix show called that. Um, denial of math might be a headline. Denial of math. Did you do that? Go through the... Your friends post something on Twitter. All dads do that. They have to go through the, go through the alphabet with all words in case there's a good pun. So you say something, you go, yes, we're moving to... Um, let's say we're moving. Let's say made up town. We're listening to Comich. We're moving to Comich. So uh, a father would go, Comich, huh? Bomage, domage, eomage, fomage, gomage, homage, jomage. Right? That's what you do, and uh, that's okay. In in lieu of listening to what's happening in the conversation. Yeah, in lieu of, that just reminded me, that's my marathon premium, in lieu of a gift, which is all the best of Lou. Well, not the best of Lou, it's all the files that I could find that had Lou in them, in the title. So I'm sure he's in a lot of more things and it's the best of, but I'm sorry. It's very difficult to go through and listen to 10 years of, of shows. That's, um, so 10 years, so I do... How many weeks are there in a year? 50, 50 odd. No, 50 even. So let's say 50. Forget those other two. I don't know what. Let's say those are marathon shows and they don't count. So let's say I do 50 shows a year, 50 a year, 10 years. I don't know if you could do the math, but that's 50,000 hours. No, it's 500. But that still seems like a lot to me. But I can't, to sit down and listen to it, let's just say I listen to it just I listen to five hours a day. Still, that would be math. That would put me in math land. It's not something that... But I really don't know what I've done. I haven't. I really... It's so funny. Uh, being on the radio is exactly like not being on the radio. In that, people come to you and they go, do you remember blah, blah, blah? And you say no. And you go, well, you said that. And they go, oh, that's amazing. I'm glad there's a recording. I've listened to old shows and, and thought, oh, shoot, something's going on here. Um, they sound, they don't feel like memories. I don't know what that is. I don't know how disconnected I am from myself. I was thinking that about uh, movies and everything, like you're a screen actor and um, you're 80. Because I, I was looking at uh, uh, The Sting the other day with Robert Redford and... Um, and the other, Paul Newman. And um, my mom was like, oh, Paul Newman, my boyfriend. I go, Paul Newman, your boyfriend's been dead for several years, of old age even, I think. But anyway, so they're in their, my mother's age in their 80s and everything, but I'm watching this movie, which seemed like yesterday. And they're super young, and I was wondering if you're 80 and you're watching something that vivid of your past, like I don't even have any home movies anymore they were all on eight millimeter and they're gone and and uh i sort of like did all the my interesting stuff before there were cell phone cameras so i don't know how much there's not a lot of video footage of me previous to like 10 years ago maybe 
Mm. I just came out of no. I feel like bad Coop or Dougie. But there's no, uh, there's no record of my existence uh, like that visually. But I thought about it. looking at your life like that. Ooh, that'd be strange, especially not remembering some of it. You know, what if you're a child actor and you look back on that and you say, I honestly have no memory of that scene with Joe Namath. But look at he's showing me how to throw a football and everything. That must have been a fun day. But I don't remember. I used to imagine I was on Brady Bunch and had forgotten because um, it was so young. That's how I started to deal with the fact that I couldn't remember some, you know, get to that age. When is it about? I don't know, maybe six, seven, something like that. And you start to realize that you've forgotten some of the first part of your life. And it's weird. I think before that, maybe I don't know what's going on. You don't really realize it. But about that age, they start showing you pictures of which you have no memory. And you think, oh, that's weird. And I wonder, wonder what was going on then. So I used to think, well, gosh, I could have, maybe I was on television. Because I don't, I don't remember sitting there, on, you know, on Uncle Victor's lap or something like that. Maybe I don't remember sitting on Sherwood Schwartz's lap. And all that happened too. And so that started me down a road of... Uh, being unsure of a- anything. <laughs> I'm unsure of the past and myself and what I think and who I am. And I think it's disconcerting at first. And then, uh, as I just demonstrated by my little uh, ironic laugh, it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. And I felt unburdened once I realized that I was sort of expected to do an impossible thing as a human being, right? You know, have some sort of purpose or story or make sense of it. It's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. How can I make sense of a thing I can barely remember? Or then I, uh, or when I experience, like I forget. Or I have to relearn lessons or things like that. Or I'm ambushed by um, emotions or different kind of, or I suddenly feel like someone else or, or my brain becomes alien to me, or I experience pain. You, know, you, can't, uh, you can't positive think your way out of a lot of things, you know? So uh, I, I don't feel pressured uh, by some of the things I did when I was young, you know? And, oh, it wore on me at first as a young person because I thought I've accompl- accomplished nothing. A lot of it came from feeling... Um, entitled by society and your family, you know, oh, you're going to do big things. Because <laughs> they don't want to tell you, yo, you're not going to, you're, you're ordinary. You know, just try to survive. Nobody wants to tell that to anyone, really. So uh, even if it's, uh, even, it's, it's always undeserved, but sometimes you can see why. Um, but then, you know, you realize, well, maybe my art or poetry is not brilliant. Maybe that was my mother's perspective. Um, you know, and maybe she didn't didn't have a vast experience in it, so you can't blame somebody. You know, I've done that. He's like, "Oh, that's wonderful." And well, you don't know anything about beer making. I go, "No, I don't." So I don't know if it's good or bad. I'm sorry, but uh, that happens. Picasso said to Max Jacob. He said, uh, oh, you're the greatest poet in the French language. And he was just being, he didn't know. I don't think he spoke French. So he's like, I don't, 
you know, Max was like, oh, my God, Picasso loves my stuff. But I think he's just being nice. But that's a mixed bag, isn't it? So uh, I don't know. I would say uh, I try to encourage people, not with any kind of specific hyperbole, but by saying, oh, my goodness, I also don't know. Join me in this wonderful confusion. I can feel a little bit what you feel sometimes in the form of uh, sympathy or something. I say that a lot to people. Here's my fantasy. I am a sort of barker. I am a sort of ballyhoo artist. And I'm on the boardwalk or I'm in a grocery store. And I got a table set up. And on the table are these vegetable slicers. Miracle vegetable slicers. And I say in a loud and compelling and dramatic voice, Hello, my friends and my fellow human beings. I offer you today a solution to some of your worst problems, some of your most frustrating problems. How many times has this happened to you? That this happened to you? And I'll cut off some of my fingers with a knife. Not for real. It's a magic trick. Say, no longer must you struggle with severed fingers or limbs or something. I know a fella cut off his whole family. So uh, this slicer is going to make perfect uh, onion slices. I don't eat onions. Perfect carrot slices. I don't eat carrots. Perfect sculpey. So, oh, I I do a lot of sculpey. So, oh, sculpt it and slice away with the sculpey. So I'll be selling these things, and after I have... Um, all these people uh, gathered around me, right? And I have the crowd has formed. Now I'm going to freeze the tip. That's what they say in carnals. I'm going to freeze the tip. I'm going to get them to stick. I'm going to get them to now want to buy this thing. But I'm going to do a switcheroo. I'm going to, now that I got them gathered, I'm going to look at each one of them in the eye and I'm going to apologize to them for life's crazy expectations. I'm going to apologize to them for any of the suffering they've experienced. I'm going to say, I'm so sorry of the things that you've had to go through as a human being. And some of them might say to me, why are you apologizing? You didn't do anything. And I have two answers for that. When anybody says that, when they say, they go, oh, I lost my, my mother. I go, I'm sorry. And they go, well, it's not your fault. First, A, you don't know that. Causation's weird. Butterfly flaps its wings, etc. I might might have caused your misery. Who knows? It's a chain. Two, that's not what I'm really apologizing for. There's an inefficiency in, in our language. It's very difficult to express what it really means to feel someone else's suffering. Because you don't feel it 100%, obviously. If you come to me and you say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm depressed or I'm, I'm hurting and that, I can't literally feel it. And if I could, I would be, it would be a disability. You know, I, would, I would be constantly in, in other people's pain. But I, what happens is, is I get a little bit of taste of it. You know, and, and we don't have accurate words for it. So I'm moved. Or I, I have sympathy or I have empathy or I have feeling, I'm feeling something. I'm feeling a little what you're feeling. And, um, I mean, I guess that sounds a little selfish. You say, oh, you're only sorry for me because now you're feeling it a bit. 
yeah, I think that's how it works a little bit. You know, I'm not going to understand until I feel sometimes. You know, I don't know if you said to somebody who's never been hungry, you're hungry, they would not, they might not get that. You know, you, you, there's a, some feeling in, involved in understanding, I think. And I think that's something we do maybe naturally. Maybe it's neurology or something, mirror neurons or anything, but... Um, yeah, I, uh, the wisest among us know to use it uh, to be of maximum help to themselves and others uh, to be aware of the situation I guess is the best you could do and uh, I try to do that with you my friends so uh, I also know that uh, there's an I don't have to be appropriate necessarily. So let's say if you're, and I don't mean offensive, I just mean like let's say you are <clears throat> in a bad way, a bad state or anything like that. If I was just talking to you, I might say things that I wouldn't if I was talking to a bunch of people. So in a way, it's also nice to hear something that everybody's getting and take the focus off of you. That's why I like to listen to the radio. I go, oh gosh, they're not looking at me. I can just listen. I can be just one of many. I can just be the listener. And the listener is... Uh, you know, hundreds of souls joined together. And I like that experience. I'm, he I'm hearing the same thing someone else is. Oh, we, uh, connecting with them later is fun. So sometimes people will be, uh, let's say you're on vacation somewhere. Uh, not vac well, not literal vacation, but let's say you have a day off of work. And so you're going to I'm going to go to the coffee shop early or I'm going to go to the arcade or I'm going to go bowling and I'm not even sure if they're open this early because I've never gone bowling this early. And then you see somebody there and they have a, a shirt on that says Hardy White Shemp Jive or something like that and, you're, and you've been listening to this show for a while and maybe you don't even really like it. You've just been listening to it for a while because it's jammed between two shows you do and you can't get to the radio because it's on a real high shelf and you're on the ground with the puppies. So uh, that could be. But you see this other person and you go, I think we have had a shared experience and we've never met. And that can be exciting. I think people do that with all sorts of, of arts. You know, we've had a shared experience, but we've never met. Let's, let's compare notes. How did you feel when you saw that painting in the Louvre? You go, I've, never been to, I've never been to the Louvre. You go, okay, let's do something else then. Sports? People do it in all sorts of things. Like, you like food? I like food. That's a rough one uh, because you might, you know, you might, a couple sentences into that, you get to a lot of things you don't agree on because food's kind of universal. A lot of people eat, I noticed. So that, any kind of pooing, something that we all do almost without exception are not always the things that we can, you know, come together on. Uh, but, I noticed any time I've mentioned, like, the Globetrotters cartoon or something, I get, you know, every 55-year-old on Earth is like, I remember that. Okay. We still maybe not have a lot in common, but uh, we were sort of equally uh, blessed and cursed by this wonderful attempt to entertain us and exploit us simultaneously by people working together at cross-purposes, which is, I think, what goes on in the entertainment industry. That's why people think I'm too hard on it, I guess. 
But because I have friends that do this, and I think you're wonderful. Keep going. We all keep going. I want money also. We all want money. But there's so many good people involved in bad endeavors. And you'll find that in all sorts of things. You know? You think, oh, gosh. I've known, I know people in all sorts of professions. So my opinions about things are complicated. Because, you know, you just, it's very difficult to make sweeping generalizations sometimes. Mm, you know, we want everybody to have complete command and control of the decisions in your life, but it, it's, it's a way harder than that. You know, you're thrown into things. Surviving is hard. I just try to be patient in theory with you. Oh, bless you. And it's so much easier if we don't have to test it. That's why I said, let's meet, Hardy. No, I love you so purely now. So let me just keep doing that. And then... You know, because who knows? You might, you, you know, you say, oh, I chew this kind of gum. And I'm going, oh, now what? No, we can't be friends. No, that's not enough. I wonder what would be enough. Oh, lots of things. Let's not make a list. Let's make a list of the things that would bring us together. Oh, shared struggle and hardship. But that I don't want that. I don't want to be trapped in a well with you. That would do it. That would bring us together as lifelong uh, compatriots. I don't want that. Um, yeah, all those things, you know, well, we survived, blah, blah, blah. That's not something you want to seek out necessarily, I wonder. Oh, maybe a really good show. That's nice. People do that. So, were you there? You saw so-and-so band in 19 hoo ha blomp dump And you go, yes. And you go, oh, it was wonderful. We're all elevated by that experience. I remember I saw... I went to this show in the 90s, and it, a real-life angel had fallen from the sky. It was wounded. And it was did a series of shows there in the mid-late 90s. And it was going around touring, I guess just to get the money to heal and the time to get back to heaven or the angel angelic realm. And uh, it was wonderful. We would go to the shows, and it, um, the angel would begin with this sort of slide presentation and showing all different things in the world, people who had been transformed. Uh, it was uh, very hopeful. And then, um, then the big show begins, and the angel, it's wonderful to see some, somebody flying without wires. I don't know if you've had a chance to see that. And I'm, ba I'm baffled, as you know, by the wing configuration on angels. Where they, have, they seem to have bird wings in an insect configuration. So I, that's really strange to me, but that's okay. But there are a lot of things I don't understand. Um, just to be clear, if they were birds, their arms would be wings. And if you have wings on the back, they're usually some kind of made of cellophane, made of um, f fly thing, fly wing. I mean, there's no fabric called flywing because I could have used I could use that in puppet making, something that's pretty fairly strong, strong enough to to fly with, but also light, lightweight. That's the thing. Getting those large puppets, you got to hit a real nice balance between you know lightweight and size. That's what the that's why there's no giant spiders. You know, they collapse under the weight of their own uh, exoskeleton. But if I think he, he, and puppets are the same way. You know, you gotta you gotta strike some sort of balance. And then you realize that, you know, sort of the farther away from the ground you get, the lighter. You can make it, 
uh, its its mass sort of like a like a pyramid. Oh, you want to talk about puppet making? Oh, I will. Yeah, you don't want to be top heavy. I guess is what I'm saying. It's not the overall mass; it's where the weight is too that's important. Hello, welcome to puppet making on the radio. My name's Hardy White. Say. You say you and your friends would like to have a big, giant parade. Bunch of, let's say you're a bunch of hippies in Vermont. And you're, you got, I have all this acreage. And I, I want to make giant puppets or put a circus on it or something. Well, you don't have to be any specific type of person or any place uh, to make a big, scary thing. And it doesn't have to be a field. I've made giant puppets in the woods, too, before. People love that. That scares the heck out of them. You can make them out of trees. Which, uh, which I've done. If you gotta, you, um, you can do it all in rope, and um, and I can bind things together like that. But duct tape is a beautiful thing if you take it with you. So I'll make it from if I make a found in the forest giant puppet. Uh, you need rope, and then you just find the the wood on the ground. You know, don't break any off the trees or anything. And then you just make a skeleton out of it and hoist it up on a high branch, and you've got a big a tree puppet to scare children. These are all things to do for family reunions, too. You always frighten the young ones or tell them that the uh, adults are all powerful uh, beings or something like that, and we can conjure mystical things in the woods. That's why you never go in there alone. I had to be lied to as a child uh, to emphasize danger, I think. That was no problem. I don't, I'm, I'm not mad about that. You know, don't go in. That house is haunted or something. It would have been bad to go into that abandoned house alone. I got no problem being told because the real risks are subtle. And they, they eluded my grasp as a young person. So that kind of fooling is nice. Am I fooling you? Who am I kidding? I like that expression. Who am I kidding? I might as well stop lying to myself and be who I really am. And who is that? I don't know. It changes a lot. It changes so much. I have a time machine, and I'm going to tell you something that that is going to, uh, I don't know whether to discourage you or make you laugh, but I've seen the past versions of myself. I've seen myself in the past, but I've seen myself in the future. And here's something you don't want to hear. Both are cringy. All right? So I don't know what's going on there. But I can see being embarrassed of your past self, but I'm also embarrassed about my future self. So only really right at this very moment do I understand my choices or anything. I don't get in the past. It feels like it's out of context now. Future, same thing. So only now am I not embarrassed a little bit by myself. Do I not have that kind of self-consciousness? Because now I understand what I'm going through. I'm present. Hi, friends. Are you present? The present's a present, isn't it, in a way? Terrible. Here's your present. It's the present. Oh, thanks a lot. I was hoping for something else. Well, I can't give you the future. And I, I don't something, something, something about the past. Oh, a lot of them, there's, it is no, you think, is it any, is it a coincidence that the, a lot of the things that, that you say that sound profound are, ab, 
absolutely the simplest and without any substance, and that the more specific a thing that you say is, the less profundity it has. Yes, that's absolutely true. It's the same kind of with your horoscope or a fortune cookie, too. Say, oh, that's so general, it could be true. Things can be true in general, and then as it gets harder, as it gets more specific to say, I think. Right? Isn't that what you find? They all can agree on obvious things, and the less obvious they are, the more they will be contended. Hello, and welcome to today's sermon, What's in the Box? When I was a young person, a very young uh, clergy, a little baby clergy, had to get collars uh, specially made, all kinds of clerical robes in my size, very tiny. A lot of times I would use clerical robes made for dolls or dogs. And one Christmas, I remember I received a package. And that package was a mystery to me. I looked at it and I shook it and I turned it upside down. I even opened it and inspected the inside of the package and still I could find nothing. I did not know what my gift was. And then my mother looked down at me and she said, Oh, you little uh, tiny clergy with your empty box. What do you... What do you even think a present is? And I said, Mom, I started to cry. I said, am I hallucinating? And she said, you might have ate, you ate some old Christmas cookies that were intended to be ornaments for the tree. Cookies that we made seven years ago and coated with polyurethane and you have ingested it now and we don't know what's going to happen to you. And said, Mom, I'm seeing all sorts of reindeer and things. She's like, just chill right here. I'm going to get a hot, uh, hot cold washcloth for your forehead. And I want you to go over there to a special tent, festival tent we have for, for children who had eaten uh, cookies uh, that were intended to be ornaments. And now they're going to miss um, corn. Or who's ever playing? I don't know, my friends. I'm in a, I'll tell you how long it's been to I've been a proper concert. What's the last concert concert I went to? I gotta think. Let me think. Gosh. Last concert. Band a band? Was it a band? I don't even know. Gosh, I have to really think. It might have been years and years and years. I've seen friends play music, but I don't know if I've seen a proper like a famous a famous act. In a long time. I saw about, let's see, but that was about 20 years ago. I saw Martin Short doing something. He's dressed as Jiminy Glick and talking to the editor of the local paper. That's not really a concert. Let me think about a concert. Um, I think I saw an opera. Gosh, I need to get out more. I haven't seen anything. I used to get, when I was a child, I'd get those concert tickets and they'd say, you know, on their Queen. Oh, I'm going to go see Queen at a big sportatorium and be crushed to death. Something like that. And, but I haven't that kind of thing. I haven't done a long time. I have the ticket has the name of the act on it. That'd be fun. Who, I mean, the teenage me would be different than now, I imagine. Say, oh, Jethro Tull, I hope he's okay. You know, I'm sure he is. <clears throat> Ann Anderson, I know you're, you're fine. Who's not okay? I know some of my, uh, Rudy Valley, 
I think is has left us is dead, and almost uh, and almost done. We're down to one monkey. So gosh, time moves on, and even some of the uh, acts of my youth. I'm trying to think who we had come through town. Uh, bands. I'm gonna just name one of them. Um, Pablo Moses. Um, let's see who else. Um, oh God, Third World. Who else came through town? Well, some people like that, you know. Um, Ika Mouse, Yellow Man. I'm trying to think who else. You know, all just kind of the acts that came through everybody's town back in the day, and you'd go, you'd go see them, and you think this is wonderful. Oh, music lifts the spirit. But that was a long time ago, and things have changed now. They moved on. Culture. Um, toots. That was a good show. I saw that one time when I was in Atlanta. Somebody took me. And I said, oh, thank you so much. That just made my soul feel so good. Music does that. Lifts us all up. Now you're all on the comment board going, here's a band, here's a band, I saw this band, band. That can go on forever. Just make them up. That's what I do. That's if you're going to do this on the comment boards, I do not want to see a real name there. You can make something up. Say, I saw, you know, uh, Perry Hoo-Ha and the, the Flubies. I saw the Flubies when they were when they were good, not the last. Now there's only one left. No, even then, I went some bands. There are bands, and I'm trying to think. I know the band. I'm not going to say it, but there's nobody. There's no original members. There's been a couple like that. But, um, well, if you know if you know how to play Train Train, why would you why would you need uh, to to be, you know, have done it in the '70s? That's what I say. That's what I would like to be. I wonder if I could be in a... I wonder if I could be Frank Sinatra Jr. or something. Like when you're done... If a, a celebrity's done using the name, whether you could be it. I think, doesn't Gallagher's brother or something? I think we got all there. There's got to be a couple Hardy Whites. You want to you wanna do it? Like Santa's helpers? We can do that. Let's just flood the market with just one character. There should only be one comedian. And then the thousands of people doing it. Is there anything wrong with that? Is that a dumb idea? I don't know. I know Bo Larry Harmon tried to do it. I just got sued for saying Larry Harmon. Isn't that weird? But you can. You get. You, there's all sorts of ways to be. Let's just have one character in one story. I don't know. It could be fun. It might be awful. Um, but. I was the worst stories for me are pick your own ending. It's like I can't do it. I can't order at a restaurant. You know, I don't know what kind of neurology you have to have to pick your own ending and stick with it. But I don't know whether I, I don't know whether I want a sandwich or a meal or I don't even know. I'm gonna get up and walk out. There's too many choices. I, I like the 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 fixed menu. That's I enjoyed going. You go. I was going to a restaurant in France, and I'd and they'd sit down and they'd go. This is what we're having. And I'd say, that's fine. I'm hungry. Bring it on. You, I want what you have, what you make best. I always think that. I go, you know what's fresh. 
you know, my my craving for duck is not so strong that I want like a month old duck or something. Like if you got something this morning that you're saying, I got this one's right off the boat, I'll take it. You know? Today's grouper? Yes. Grouper from last year's grouper? I don't need it that bad. So you tell me what's it? We got new uh, potatoes just came in. We're having potatoes. Right? Especially with veggies like that. I don't have to have, if a veggie isn't in season, I don't, sometimes I'm not desperate for it. You know? And I'm trying to save money by having, not demanding exotic foods at weird times of the year. Because I think I grew up that way a bit. You know? I must have berries. I don't I don't I do not care if they have if they must come from South America. But I don't need them like if I can't get there not down the street right now, so be it. It isn't berry season. But uh I've I've been I've been brought up to think I can get anything I want at any time. So I I mean I need to shake that one before I die. I don't know why I don't really have to, but I'd like to. I'm gonna get rid of that. Is that uh feeling like um owed things or owed experiences or like that, I want to get more realistic. I'm not going to share it or start it or or insist on it politically or anything like that. I'll just this is my personal thing. Can all y'all can do what you ever want. I don't know. I don't really. I'm not trying to get a thing going ever, really. So if I say you know I, I if I find a way of doing something that I think works, let's say I found a new way to peel a carrot, I'm going to tell you. But really, really, it's up to you. I'm just showing what works for me. There is a thousand percent chance it might not work for you. So I never try to get any kind of thing going. If I feel some piece of wisdom that's changed my life, I will share it with you. But I'm not going to start classes. Or I don't want to be that idea to be associated with me. You know, just there, I heard this the other day. Like when when your mom sends you newspaper clippings. I thought you might be interested in this. I know you're an engineer, and this has the word engine in it. All right, thanks, Mom. Here it is. Here's more clippings. My mother the other day said, Somebody you went to school with is going into space. And I said, Oh, that... And not I went to school. No, don't take that back. Somebody you didn't go to school with. <laughs> I was like, Well, how do I know this person? And they said, You were in Cub Scouts together. And I said, somebody I was in Cub Scouts with is going into space. And my mom said, yes. And I said, all right. And she said, how about that? And I said, how about that? And she told me the uh, person's name. And I said, I'm sorry. I don't know that it rings a bell. Although that was the first. It did in that. I'd never heard that surname before. And so I did kind of remember going like, vaguely, vaguely familiar. Anyway, apparently I went to... um, and it's not an astronaut. It's a, uh, I, I think he's a business professor that's going up on one of these spaceships now. They do that. I'm like, I'm going up on one, I heard. No, I'm not, I'm not going up on one. I wish New Jersey. Come on, New Jersey. We're doing so good. Let's get us our own spaceship. Because there's a lot of people that like to go up on it. And just ordinary salt-of-the-earth New Jersey folks. There wouldn't be any famous things. And we do it like it'd just be a lotto thing. You just scratch off and you go, going into space. I think that's the fair way to do it. Because if you have to have have the means, that's not going to be your best people. Sometimes your best people, you know, don't have anything. But that'd be fun. 
I, if I, if the person's, most of them would be going like, oh, you want it? You're going to space. You know, can I trade it for a car? Because I, I need a car to get to work more than I need to see Earth from a distance, which I could probably do with drugs and virtual reality. So, but some people want to, I guess if you're well, maybe it is for the wealthy, because if you run out of experiences, say, well, I've done everything. My money has bought me everything possible. There's one experience left. I would remind you, no, there's always, there's always two, because that last experience, you don't get out of that one. So um, I'm just holding out for that one. I go, man, even if I have experienced anyone, there's a, there's a biggie coming up. So I'll just, maybe I'll just dial it back a little bit and just drink tea and try to go through my finances. <clears throat> See if I can stay unnoticed. That's what you want to do. That's how you want to spend your last moments, I think. It's just like, oh, please, just some peace. Right? Peace. Can't buy that. How do you get it? I don't know. Let's look for it together all the time. Let's always be looking for it like we do four-leaf clovers. Let's always be looking for that peace. Oh, it's not a bad word. Say, well, life is a pain. Oh, I'll tell you what it's worth looking for. It's worth looking for. Uh, the alternative is unbearable. Oh, so let us uh, uh, feel for one another in a profound way and take seriously our existence here and the fragility of it. And uh, please, I ask you to do that because I'm afraid of you, oh, my fellow human. I love you and I fear you in equal proportions. I want to be with you, but I have, I have been burned many times, as we all have, as we seek love, as we seek acceptance. We also understand that we set ourselves up for betrayal, that we set ourselves up to be ostracized, to be hated for no reason. The closer we become ourselves, the more we find ourselves cast out sometimes. The more you are yourself and you think, I thought I was getting, I thought I was supposed to do that. I was spot I was supposed to understand myself. And here, as I do, and I become more authentically myself, I, I'm sorry that that's a phrase people overuse, but the more you, you start to become comfortable with yourself, you find sometimes uh, it's difficult. Uh, oh, but if, you, if you're going to go the route of letting other people in your head to run things, you're going to find that more difficult, even more difficult. It is much easier to reach yourself uh, when you need it than it is others, just like with email. So if you're counting on someone else to solve your problems, they're difficult to get in touch with. You're always right there. You're always right there. So that's why I try to, uh, what do I try to do? I try to have a radio show. I try, to do, I try to eat right. I try not to drink coffee after noon. I'm trying all sorts of things. I try to make things constantly, make art all the time. So I don't um, seem like I've wasted my time making art in the past. So, well, he's still doing it. So it must mean something. That's the way I've been with radio. See, if I'd stopped, people would go, well, that didn't work out. But now it's actively not working out or something. I don't know. But if you, if you don't stop doing something, then you, you, technically you don't fail at it. So you can't say that yet. Say, well, you've been playing baseball for 30 years. You're a failure. No. Can't say that yet. It's not done yet. So you never, you never know. If you're not in the thing, 
you'll never know. So just keep doing it. That's what I, I say, especially for art. Because, you know, you, you, you start doing art, you go, hey, I'm pretty good. You get a bad with you, you go, oh, crap, I'm not really very good. Should I stop? No, <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> Maybe nobody will notice. That's what I think. And then you just keep going. And then sometimes it's just a, sort of momentum. You go, I've made a lot of stuff. Maybe, you know, it's not genius. But I've always said that volume makes up for a lot of things. It's, uh, if you need confirmation of that, understand that biological survival has various strategies as well. You know, you can be like an elephant and have a long gestation period and have one precious little baby that you got to protect and be neurotic about and be all poor, nervous, wreck elephants. Or you can have volume, volume, volume and have a zillion little babies and so that you could even lose half of them and still have lots of babies. See, that's another thing that biological life do, that or organisms, those two different strategies, you know? You could have a zillion cockroaches or one elephant, but they're both valid. They're both alive. And so I try to do uh, reams and reams of mediocre art and not worry about masterpieces and let the geniuses do the masterpieces. And I will crank out as much tiny joys. You know, you make the gourmet meals, and I will make gumdrops because the kids love the gumdrops, and there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, bless you, do what you can. I feel okay with myself. I can, now, I can say things that self, sound self-deprecating that I am not deprecated by because there's a, there's, and I can sound things that, self, that sound self-aggrandizing that I am not aggrandized by. It just happens to be that I'm, I, I can see things more clearly as I get older by myself. And I'm not ashamed of the flaws necessarily. And I'm not proud of the successes necessarily. I'm uh, mostly uh, amused and confused. And I don't mind welcoming you into that world, my friend, of amused confusement. No, of confused amusement. I like it when I said it wrong. Get a t-shirt. I wish I had more t-shirts for you. I'm sorry. That feels like a failure. Even there's a, um, gosh, there's a person who did such great art for me. And if I did get one, it would be this person who made these amazing Miracle Nutrition logos. I don't want to say that. I, I do remember their name. I'm just not saying it because I don't want to. But, but that, next year, I swear if I'm alive and on the radio then that deserves to be a shirt if they don't mind. I might have to remunerate them. Remunerate, remunerate them. Does that make sense? Did I say it right? Oh, my friends, you are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, uh, New York, and online, WFMU.org. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and thank you for pledging uh, to the show. Oh, so many of you. Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, oh, oh, here's a little few thank yous. I want to thank uh, Eleanor, um, New York. Thank you. Uh, Rachel in North Carolina. Thank you, David in uh, uh, New Hampshire. Thank you, Tom in the UK. Oh, Tom, I miss you, man. I hope I see you again uh, soon. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Michael. Uh, thank you, Mary. Thank you, Thomas. 
Uh, thank you, Mark in New Jersey. Thank you, Paul in Australia. Thank you, Ben in Chapel Hill. Thank all of you, my friends. I love you. See you again next week.
and then to the right. 